I like put my hand on mom's shoulder, had this wig on. We just burst into like laughter and tears. And then we just danced together to Tina Turner. I like actually connected, fully connected with my mom. And now it's time to play it back. I'm John Asante. And I'm Gia Jung. Welcome to the very first episode of Play It Back, the show where we talk about discovering the songs we love, hate, and appreciate. We're creating the safe space for anyone to gush about their music memories, because that's probably one of the best parts about music. It has this incredible ability to transport us to a special time and place. And with so much access to music these days, how often do we just slow down and recount the importance of all the songs, or really any song that we've heard in our lives? I mean, do you remember the first time you heard a Led Zeppelin song that just blew your mind, Gia? Actually, I do remember the first time I consciously heard a Led Zeppelin song. I mean, I must have heard Led Zeppelin before, but I was getting really into hip-hop through the gateway artist of P. Diddy. And he had this song called Come With Me. And it was a rap song, but it had a different kind of rock beat to it. And it was just this ominous hook. And I remember thinking it was just incredible. And then one day, probably at a gas station, out of someone else's car, out of the classic rock radio station, I heard that hook. And I thought, what is that? And I came to realize that was Led Zeppelin's Cashmere. So you have that like aha moment of like, oh my gosh, the sampling and the... Definitely yeah. why that song was so different and so awesome <laughs> had to do with Led Zeppelin. That's, that's tight. Did you ever obsess over one album and just wear out a CD? Oh my gosh, yeah. I went through a huge A Tribe Called Quest phase in college. I, like, I couldn't get enough of the album Midnight Marauders. And people, Tribe fans will debate you to the end of time whether Midnight Marauders or The Low End Theory is better. I am a Midnight Marauders fan, even though I love the other album. But anywho, the whole group, just everything they did, just changed my perspective on how hip-hop could sound and how it could feel, especially at a time when I just grew tired of it and gangster rap was just kind of the thing. For me, what did it, just like their imagery with the rhymes about the, about living in New York City in the 90s and like the sampling of jazz tunes, which I just had never heard. That just sounded so different. And the production and the beats that they created. Ali Shahi Muhammad, just an amazing DJ. That just all like blew my mind. Like songs like Clap Your Hands and Ward Tour and Electric Relaxation were just like my anthems as I just like walked through class, just through campus and feeling like... just this guy who had so much power but also felt really cool (laughs) well in those moments when you're listening to and enjoying this music with like-minded people it just seems like all the rest of the world could drop away and nothing else matters and everything's gonna be okay it sounds so cheesy but that's really how those moments can feel totally and for my friend katie whose story we were about to hear i mean she made that connection with her mother while listening to a woman who has like such a sultry voice. I mean, dance moves that are just unforgettable. And I guess you could say she's simply the best. The queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner. I'm Katie, uh, living in Brooklyn, but I grew up in North Carolina. My mom has always loved Tina Turner. Like that is her ultimate epitome of what it is to be like the hot woman um and I just have these memories of Tina of course you know dancing and doing her stuff on tv my mom has always been she's a very she's a short woman she's like five feet tall she kind of looks like Mrs. Claus 
Um, really lovely, really like does super well with children and animals. Um, but she doesn't always like she tends to gravitate more towards Tina Turner's is that like, oh, I, I know that that's in me, but you know, and but I'm, you know, I'm the one that just takes care of everything. Then my mom, actually, when I was 13 years old, um, was diagnosed with ovarian and uterine cancer the same year that her mother died of, um, had that same form of cancer and then died with other complications of the same illness. I had a tumor, one, si- one the size of a watermelon on one ovary and one the size of a cantaloupe on the other. Um, and she was like the equivalent of five and a half months pregnant. And we just thought like she'd like put on weight, you know, and, um, then it got to a point where she had to have radiation and chemotherapy. Um, and when you're 13 and all your friends are like out having their summers and I just have these like really vivid memories of like being in the hospital, just me and my mom. And my mom it was clearly always working all the time. And so I've never really felt like, I, I recognize logically, my mom loves me. It's my mom. She comes, you know, but we didn't spend a lot of time together because she was busy. She had a family to take care of and a full-time job that was really stressful. Um, and we just, that was our first time really spending time together. Uh, that wasn't just like watching celebrities on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came home. And after one of her treatments, she was in the shower. And at this point, I have never seen my mother cry, ever. Gushy heart of gold, but like tough as nails. What was that like, never seeing your mom express that emotion? Well, I think my mom's like, everything's always, you know, fine. Everything's good. We're going to get through this. And I think that comes from being a survivor, like because of how her earlier life went. Like, I am going to overcome these things. And I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to put myself through college. I'm going to, she's the oldest of four and her father died when she was like 20. Um, and so she had this resilience in her that I sometimes I'm like, I don't know my mother, but I was always like, wow, like she may be short and giggle a lot and be really sweet, but she's the boss. Mom is the boss. Um, and not seeing her cry because my father is like super all the feelings very emotional very like heart of gold all over the place like no skin on him if he feels it he expresses it I remember being like mom has has cancer and I'm crying in the bathroom but she's still like in this bed every day like I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna get my life back and then coming home one day and she'd gone and she'd gotten a wig from this wig shop in Graham, North Carolina. And she'd gone and tried on a few. And I remember she thought that this one was ridiculous and it wasn't the right shade of brown and it wasn't as curly as her hair really is. Because my mom has short brown curly hair. She used to have hair all the way to her rear end and drive like a black Mustang. She was a little saucy. Um, (laughs) But then she had kids and like having hair was, uh, inconvenient because she had other things to worry about Mm -hmm. um and then she got this wig and it was just stood like on her dresser on this styrofoam like mannequin head and I would always go in her room and like go through her things as any curious child does like I was like oh I want to go through her jewelry boxes and put on her dresses and 
be an adult, you know. And one day I was in there like looking at her wig and I thought it'd be really funny to put it on because at the time I have like white blonde hair that's long and kind of straight. And so I tuck all my hair up into this wig and put it on and look at myself in the mirror and I think, don't I just look absolutely ridiculous? Um, so I go into the bathroom because mom was out of the shower. She'd been in the shower at this time and she was done. And normally mom like to get ready with like the towel around her, brushing her teeth, um, you know, flossing, doing whatever you do in your towel in the bathroom. And I remember I came in and she was in the shower and she, well, at the time, like didn't have, she was very, she was exposed. She was fully exposed. Um, which is already like a striking feeling to have that like, oh, my mom's like a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not that my mom, not all oh, my mom's naked. My mom's like a human being. But the doctor said that it would all fall out at some point. And so I go into the bathroom. She's just like crying, pulling out like huge chunks of her hair in the shower. And that's such a distinct imprint on my, on my life. Like to see m- my mother totally exposed, crying pulling out her own hair and she was doing it privately like I would have never known if I hadn't have been so precocious and I just remember like sliding back out of the room and thinking I'm just let her have her moment and then she went back in the kitchen and I think she was um she started to do the dishes because whenever mom was upset about something, she started, she just started to do things. So she went to the kitchen and started doing the dishes. And, you know, as some families do, we don't talk about things. And I was like, maybe we just won't talk about this. <laughs> um, but I like put the wig back on and went into the living room and we had a record player. Um, and I put on Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It. I just, oh, mom would always go on about how great Tina Turner was and how she was the boss and she was in charge. Um, And you just had to pay attention to Tina Turner when she was on. And then I came in and I like put my hand on mom's shoulder, had this wig on and was like, we just burst into like laughter and tears. I think I was kind of laughing. She was kind of crying. And then there was a mix where I'm not sure what was happening in how, how your memory can be a little disjointed but and then we just danced in the living room together to Tina Turner and you have moments like that where you think I actually I like actually connected fully connected with my mom in that moment and she neither of us were afraid because I think when someone gets sick like that when you're a kid looking at your parent who at that point is like always on top of everything and then when your mom is like totally isolated in her feeling and also having just lost her mother from the same thing um and for like that moment dancing with tina turner we were totally fearless and that was that's a that's a thing i'll never forget 
It, what was the dancing like? I mean, it, I mean, it was two women that didn't, didn't express, that were very suppressed um, as Southern women. But it was like this really, like, our arms were open. We were laughing. I think it was more just like spinning. Like how when you're a kid on the playground and you just grab your best friend and you spin around and it's kind of like you're dancing, but it's sort of like you're just like in this wave of like, I'm alive. Um, and it doesn't really have to be like any specific form of expression other than just being in your body, you know? Any, any lip syncing going on? Oh yeah, of course. Obviously. I mean, for me, it was more like I only knew the chorus, but mom was singing it all. Um, cause you know, Tina was hers. What was it particularly about Tina Turner that grabbed your mom's attention? Like she's, you say she was powerful. Like she was the boss. Well, I think it was that Tina Turner commanded your attention. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily something that my mother very frequently got to feel. I mean, I'm speaking on her behalf. I don't know. You can never really, but I like, this is my observation is that like, she was drawn to her because she was vibrant and flashy and sexual and she was incredibly expressive and opinionated and had like overcome things as well. Um, like been through things and was still up there being Tina Turner. And I think th that's what mostly Gail is always very interested in, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so after y'all dance and had that moment, mm. it's like incredible. Like all the emotions running through you. Mm. Um, do y'all dance to another song or do you just go back to kind of... Just went back to our lives. I took the wig off and put it back. Uh -huh. And I speak to my mother almost every day. Um, but I don't know if there's ever been a point where since then, before then or since then, where I've felt so connected to my mother um, because she was totally vulnerable. I don't, I don't know because she went back to being a parent after that, I guess, and I went back to being a kid. After that, it was a feeling for me personally of, oh, I, th I think that was the only moment in all of the stuff with my mom dealing with cancer that I thought that she thought we were going to lose. That was the only moment where I, I could see she was like, I might not make it. And I feel really weak and really tired. Um, but then after that, it just, that wasn't an option anymore. Even if she was puking or whatever, like I never saw that kind of like weakness again. Really right from that time, from that time that you, you two I mean, if she did it, she did it privately and made sure to lock the bathroom door. <laughs> but, but like <laughs> it was never a point where in our house it was going to be clear to me that mom couldn't beat this. Uh, and she's not had cancer since, you know, I'm 27 years old now, thankful every day. Like she's not had cancer since, which is not, which is rare. It was a moment for me and that I realized the impact of more and more now where she sort of made a decision that she was the boss, mm -hmm. you know? Like, yeah. and, and so I think that's what is most distinct about that for me. More than, more than the dancing and laughing and feeling that, it was this like, I need to be here. I want to be here. I love my life and the people love me and I can do this, you know? And for me, it was, my mom can do this. So I think that's, that's what that was. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And when you hear, what's love got to do with it these days? What is that? 
how how infrequently or if I like hear it in Rite Aid or yeah. CVS. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, given the time and the place, right? Yeah, the mood. no, but no. Every time I hear it, it's just this moment where you think some people feel like particularly gushy songs or mushy songs or very sentimental songs, but ours was one that didn't particularly have anything to do with that situation, but it was just about celebrating being alive. Um, and I think that's what that will always call back because there's so much crap that happens in life. And like that moment is just like, oh, I'm, I'm meant to celebrate being here. Huge thanks to Katie Shepard for sharing her story. We highly recommend that you check out Katie's podcast, Our Unwritten Books. She and her co-host Bridget Hickey talk with female writers, whose work hasn't been published yet, about the challenges they face when it comes to sitting down and just getting the book done. You can find out more at ourunwrittenbooks.org. Play It Back is produced by me, John Asante. And me, Gia Jung. Shout out to Amos Rose, by the way, for composing our theme music. We hope you dig it as much as we do. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Facebook at Play It Back and we're on Twitter at Play It Back Radio. If you want to learn more about Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It, we got you covered. Head on over to our website, playitbackradio.tumblr.com. And now we want to hear from you. Got a story about how a song has shaped your life? Do you have some amusing infatuation with a song by Third Eye Blind? Beyonce or Frank Sinatra, or really just any feedback for us, drop us a line at playitbackradio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. Peace.